This is the iMoveU podcast, getting you private practice ready. We give you fresh ideas on mindset, communication, and clinical skills so you can have a fulfilled career. What a time to be alive, Patrick McNamara. This is episode 21 of iMoveU. Being alive is always being better than dead. We're, we're in, the, uh, in the kitchen of iMove Roselle, which has turned into our fourth room. Uh, which is very close to the gym. So if there's some background noise, deal with it. It's the practicality of hustling and podcasting. Yeah, Patty? That's exactly right. <laughs> the kitchen also has um, views out the window, so it's not a bad place to be. Patty has a podcast called That's Running, and um, he got some complaints about the background noise. So don't be so precious. <laughs> We're going to talk to Patty about um, one year. He's been with us for one year and one month. Yeah. And we're just going to talk about his new grad experiences with iMove, um, what's been good, what's been hard, his tips, what he might tell himself that he knows now. And I would say very recently, just a real change in perspective, which we might put down to coaching, drugs, or a holiday. So that'll be really interesting. Or all uh, three. Or all three together. <laughs> at the same time. Um, so let's start at the start. Um, how, did you, how did the iMove-Pat-Mac relationship start? Uh, yeah, years ago, I worked at Running Science, the shoe shop uh, for runners just up the road from iMove, and there was a bit of a relationship between the running store and the physio clinic down the road, and that's how I met Mick and Dan. And they seemed like cool guys, and I went to their clinic as a patient a few times. And I always knew that as a runner and as someone who appreciates things being young and fresh and modern and fun, it was always a cool clinic to go into as a patient. And they liked treating runners, and they were trying to like specialize in runners and I thought shit yeah this, this place is pretty cool and I knew Mick and Dan as mates first and foremost and then as physios and then yeah they kind of once they realized I was studying physio they were trying to hire me when I still had two years left in my degree and I think Mick asked me every four or five months Pat can you start working can you start working can you start working no Mick I still have 18 months left of uni oh, well, what about <laughs> what about next week no I'll still be at uni next week it's a nice ex- it's a nice extension of partner work, isn't it? Like if you're getting out there in the community, we hired Mitch from um, training at the CrossFit Box, and we hired yeah. you from Running Science. Yeah, so I, nice I, extension. I, there was never a job interview, but I'd been pretty drunk with Mick and Dan a few times prior, and when I graduated, I just started. Mm. As easy as that. Yeah. So, do you call that hustling from your end or hustling from my end? But uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, I think I had. Working here was definitely lined up at least 12 months before I graduated, which was nice for me. Yeah. It's like it's like we talk about finding ideal client. We also try and find our ideal team members, right? And someone who works at Running Science is obviously a really nice fit because they're active and they're around runners. Same with yeah. Mitch being around the CrossFit scene. Yeah, works so, well. Yeah, ideal team as well as ideal clients, something to think about. I want to ask you what you found difficult at the start of your physiotherapy career, particularly something you probably didn't expect? I, th- I think they teach you at uni, like, yes, you know the structures in the knee and you know why someone might get pain in their knee. And theoretically, they're like, okay, I, I think I know what I need to do to get you less painful around the knee, which is do stuff around the hip, you know, strength, range of motion, stretching, massage, whatever you want to call it. But when there's an actual real human being in pain in front of you, You've never had that at uni. You get it at your placements, but there's always a supervisor there. For the first time, this person's paying you 90 or 100 bucks mm. 
and they're in pain and they're sitting there and they want to be in less pain and you you can say yeah all right i can see your quad muscles i can see your patella but like how do i get you as a human being like how do i give you the value and get you out of pain it's doing it in a very human personal way was freaking hard at the start and it took me a little bit to get my head around that so the first few weeks i sat there going what the hell like yes you have a knee knee pain but what do you want me to do about it um so i think applying what you learn in uni to like a human was definitely tricky it was hard um what like helped it, you in that situation what was there a turning point or something where you're like okay this is how i can make it more real yeah i think understanding what's relevant to the, the patient mm. like yes you know say my shoulder hurts great well my shoulder hurts sometimes too but their shoulder hurts and they can't do bench press at the gym mm. so make everything relevant to that so and and that's it it doesn't need to be any more complicated than that do something cool is it easy to bench press great cool that's value for them and you don't need to make it any more complicated than that and then you develop a bit of a plan to get them bench pressing pain free and then like happy days i think just finding a target and simplifying it as much as you can really really works but like making that. it relevant to the patient as well um, yeah i treat a lot of runners so yeah, fuck, my Achilles has been sore for three years. It's probably going to be sore for another three years. But let's make you able to run on it happily. Mm. And that's what's relevant to that person. So thinking about it in terms of like the structures, the tissues, the anatomy, but also um, why are they there in front of you? It's because they can't bench press or they can't run or whatever. I think um, I remember the first few patients you get, and for whatever reason, your brain goes to mush. Like the knowledge is in there. But like you say, when you're reflecting, when someone's in pain, for some reason, you do have a bit of a meltdown as a young physio, don't you? You're like, yeah. I know the knowledge is in there, but what do I do with this person in front of me? Yeah. And you kind of struggle to connect the dots. Can you reflect on that? Is there something that you kind of just try and do now, whether it's get them out of pain or try a certain movement, or do you just, I know I talk about, let's just rub someone's hamstring, we know they're going to feel better, right? Do you have something like that? Yeah, I... I've now, and this has definitely come to me through just experience. Hmm. I I kind of almost frame it as like a, a bit of a process. So like, yes, your, okay, your shoulder hurts right now. And at the moment it hurts to lift your arm above your head. And that means you can't do the activities you want to do at the gym. What we need to do is get you less painful putting your arm overhead. And to do that, we need to restrict what activities you're doing temporarily we need to do a bit of soft tissue work we need to tape you and we're going to work to bring down your symptoms when you move your arm overhead once you can do that and then you're starting to move around pain-free they're going to start to gradually reload you and if you frame it like that then you don't have the pressure to get them pain-free in the first consult and so once i've started framing like that in my own head but also verbally framing that to the patient they seem to understand that it's a it's a bit of a process to, to calm things down, to get them out of pain, then get them moving again. And I think that's the meltdown moment, yeah. right? You feel pressure to get this person better straight away and you're not really prepared for that at uni. You're not. Yeah. And you might someone's shoulder might hurt and you, you rub their, you know, their pecs and their posterior cuff and then they get an extra 10 degrees range of motion. Mm. But you're sitting there going, fuck, they still can't lift their arm over their head. Have I not done my job properly? But you, you can even just say, man, take a week off the gym. I'll give you a shoulder bit of rub. You'll feel better. And you can simplify it as much as that. I would say that's touching. That. Yeah, that's yeah. huge. That's, that's 
probably you've articulated really well, I think, what new grads struggle with is it's more, not the knowledge that's there, but the expectation that that patient needs to walk out better day one, yeah. and then you get yourself in a bit of a panic. Um, and I like what you said about reframing, and something we've been learning lately is pre-framing. Um, an ounce of pre-framing is worth a ton of reframing. And what that means is what yeah. you just said. If you get on the front foot with your patient first consult and say, you're not going to walk out pain-free, this will be a process, yeah. that's pre-framing, which is much, much better than doing the consult. They still struggle to get their arm above the head, and then you're catching up trying yeah. to reframe. Yeah, and I was, so definitely, point. I was definitely catching up yeah. for the first six to nine months, definitely six months. Yeah. But yeah, if you get on the front foot and say, it might take three weeks to calm this thing down, they don't feel like they have to walk out that day pain-free, mm. but they are walking out with the confidence that you know what you're doing, or at least you're telling them that you know what you're doing Yeah, to get them feeling better, and there's a process to it, and there's a plan. I like that. I think that that is a real turning point for young health professionals. Yeah. Um, take me into something you didn't expect about physio, the good thing and the bad thing. Something I didn't expect. Yeah. I expected less of my patients to actually do their exercises. Yeah. <laughs> Which is kind of funny. So more of them I, are doing them? Yeah. Oh, that's good. I thought I would battle to get people to do their stuff at home. Yeah. But people actually do it, and that's a really mm. nice surprise. And I, I, I've thought about this, and I almost put that down to the way that I've been mentored and educated and the way that Mick and Dan have helped me frame my consult and the way I treat things. Just keep it super simple, and people actually do their stuff. Mm. I think... If I didn't work at iMove and work somewhere else, I might give someone six exercises and then they probably wouldn't do it. Yeah. So I was actually surprised that people do their stuff. So if you do the right thing in consult, people actually do their stuff. People yep. tend to want to get better. Do you um, have something that you think helps with that? Do you think it's just less exercise or yeah. something you say? Just keep it simple. Yeah. Keep it simple, stupid. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I find if we're going more than one or two, it's, it gets a bit much, right? Yeah. The other thing that surprises me, well, that did surprise me is um, like <laughs> and it's happening less now but um, cancellations and moving things around and there's a bit of admin work in that so if you allow the time to deal with that sort of stuff it's okay but when you get two or three people just asking to move their appointment and all of a sudden a couple of emails back up there's a few voicemails you got to get to there's a lot of that sort of stuff in the back end so you just if you just allow a bit of time for it and plan for it then it's fine mm. that I was I was more worried about the clinical stuff, but there's a lot of admin stuff that goes on in the back end that you got to yeah. be all over. I think and that's the something you, you don't even think clinic. of. Yeah. yeah, we don't have staff, reception staff, admin team. Mm. So there's a little bit more to do. Um, even if you join teams where there is admin and reception, you'll still have to do your calls and things like that. What's helped you get that done better? What's helped me get it done yeah. better? Yeah, because it was a big drain at the start for you, and now you feel I feel like you're dealing with it. Yeah, just be on the ball. Rather than opening your email inbox and being like, oh, there's seven emails, just be like, okay, there's seven emails and just get it done straight away. Yeah. Have you adopted a mindset or a time shift or a block? Because there's a few strategies. What's worked for you? Mindset. Mindset. Yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, I've tried blocking time off for different sorts of things, but I feel like if I just do it straight away, it works better for me. Do you have something that you say to yourself? Is it just that? Like, cool, seven people. or And what... So before it was like, uh, what is it now? I reckon before I would have opened my inbox, said, seen seven emails and gone, ah, oh, that's going to take like at least three minutes per email. That's 21 minutes. Oh, shit. I better make a coffee. Yeah. 
and I was just a, a really good procrastinator. But yeah. now I opened it up like seven emails. Cool. I just replied to the first one. Cool. Now there's only six to go. How easy was that? Has there been anything that's helped you look at that in a better way? Oh yeah, a lot of. It's just a lot of mindset in general, like yeah. in li- mindset in life, mindset in physio, mindset in how you approach admin tasks, mm. and that's taken a bit of work, a bit of work I've done with DK, a bit of meditation stuff. It all helps, mm. uh, but practicing it, and once you do something positive, you see how it affects you. Positive reinforcement. So, I got those seven emails done pretty quick, and so you're like, ah, oh, that was easier than yeah. like delaying. <laughs> it's practice, and it's like a muscle that gets stronger, right? Like once you start realizing, I can do that in 15 minutes and it's out of my day now. Yeah. You feel that reward yeah. and you keep going. I like I'm that. I'm sure there's a term for it. Positive reinforcement of neuroplasticity or something like that. Wow. <laughs> you just said it. Trademark. Trademark. Um, there's, and there's been a real shift. So just for the listeners, Paddy about six months in looked like he was about to die. And it is, it's hard because we do 12-hour days, four or five days a week at the start to try and build a patient list. And Paddy was still running 100, 200 Ks a week training for the Tarawira at that time. And then you got sick and then your patients were cancelling and we were getting upset and it was like, really, it's tough. I think every new grab will go through that in their first 12 months, unless it's a clinic where it's just 50 patients a week without even trying. But we've always been a growth clinic, which does make it a little bit harder. Um, So... Take me through that middle six months with the purpose of taking you to now yeah. and what's changed. I, I guess to, to pre-frame, I would really, on the whole, I consider myself quite a happy, positive, upbeat person and I don't tend to get phased by stuff. I tend to just err on the side of smile rather than frown. Mm-hmm. That's me. And then there definitely was a period where I was in a funk probably for probably for two to three months, I think. Um I, I wouldn't have said I was depressed. I wouldn't have labelled it as anything. I was just definitely more sad and I had a, my... I was just not as bubbly as I used to be. And I couldn't put it down to anything. I like, I was fit. I was healthy. I was exercising. Like, work was going pre- technically pretty good. I was seeing some patients. Um, my family life was fine. Like, there was nothing wrong. I was just sad and I just couldn't put a finger on it. I was pretty tired with work. Like, long hours were a big, 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 big factor. Um, and I was just... I was just existing, like I was just chucking along, getting it done. And um, people had noticed, mm. like I know that, you know, Mick, you'd said a few things to me and, and um, Bridge, who, the other um, physio in the clinic, had said a few things to me. And um, I was trying to get through, I was trying to work through it, you know, like go to the beach and catch the sunrise and do things that would refresh me. But um, I, yeah, I was just in a bit of a funk for a while. So I went... I had a, this holiday booked with some mates to New Zealand for a week, so we just hired some camper vans and, and um, went around for a week, no internet, one of those really, really cool trips. Um, and I, I had a pretty random opportunity through a series of crazy events where I ended up um, experimenting with LSD in New Zealand <laughs> for, for various reasons. Um, and it was a bit of a bit of a profound moment for me. Um, you hear the word LSD or psychedelic drug, and you think, "Whoa, like that's pretty hardcore, man! Like that's <laughs> that's illegal. That's a bit much." But it's it what it enables you to do is just kind of get into a different mindset, just see things differently, um, remove your ego from the situation, and uh, gives you a very very different worldly perspective of anything that's happening. It was a really really powerful thing for me. So I did that. I came back. And 
everyone else in the clinic said, Pat, like you seem so relaxed, like you're so chilled out. Yeah. That holiday must have been really good for you. Yeah. And in my head, I was like, well, it really was a really good holiday. I, I feel great after that. But in my mind, I was like, I think that Wednesday night in Queenstown was <laughs> changed particularly, particularly big. And then in the preceding preceding weeks afterwards after that <laughs> i um i again through a series of funny events i found myself with the opportunity to do that again so i did it again this time knowing what to expect put myself in the right environment to do it and had a pretty um, interesting profound experience again which was like a big mindset shift for me so um i know that dan talks about this quite a bit but um having a being able to like think at a different level, have a different, whatever you want to call it, a different level of vibration or removing your ego, different state of consciousness, consciousness, go into your flow state, whatever you want to call it. It just uh, allowed me to like re-look at everything, realize what's important, what would phase me and what shouldn't phase me. And that was a big thing for me. I also did some pretty intense meditation and um, uh, it's called a soul vibing experience, but where you meditate and there's sound and vibration and all these different things that let you work your own mind basically and having done that and had a couple of like what you'd strictly speaking you'd call psychedelic experiences but it just enabled me to work around my own head and I've just bounced back from that and everyone else has felt it but I've been like on fire the last month I suppose mm. since all of that's happened yeah and I think I think my patients are, are seeing it and certainly my co-workers are seeing it and Mick has as well and um, it's something that I'm trying to supplement with regular meditation and it's tending to work pretty well for me but um, yeah it was just it's just kind of how I found myself getting out of this funk and it's really really worked well and there's I don't know there's, there's emerging evidence that this stuff is pretty cool but obviously you're dealing with certain things which may or may not be legal but it certainly worked a treat for me um, <laughs> anyway, but combining that with meditation and a lot of a lot of mindset work, which Dan has helped me through, um, has been super super positive. So it's a combo of all the three. Mm. And now I see a you know six thirty a.m. patient, which means I have to be at the clinic at six, which means I have to leave home at five thirty, which means I have to get out at five. Like I see that most days of the week, and it doesn't phase me as much. Or if something bad happens, it doesn't phase me, and you can choose how you want to react to any given situation. Like if someone runs 16 minutes late for the 30-minute appointment. You can be frustrated and be flustered by that, or you can just sit back and say, okay, cool, we've got 40 minutes, let's do this. And that's been a huge mindset shift the last month, and it feels good. It feels good. I think the lesson there is, a couple, actually, um, self-awareness, and you can dig yourself into a hole pretty quickly with mm. a uni kind of lifestyle and then changing to a very professional 12-hour-a-day lifestyle, and then you had to run less, and then I think you got injured and you got sick. Um, so I think that self-awareness of what gives you energy and work will change that for every new grad. Yeah. Um, it's, it's probably about listening to the people around you, self-reflecting a little bit. Um, and then the second thing is you can be in such a deep hole that only it can take a very small experience to pull you out. Yeah. So like I know for me, a three-day weekend for me is huge. And like I'll feel like I'm completely... Um, drained of energy three days away and I'm completely back yeah and this self-awareness journey whether it's coaching meditation three-day weekend a week holiday LSD whatever that is for you it's all self-awareness right yeah it is and you need to figure that out very quickly at the start of your profession 
Because yeah. if you hadn't figured that out, I mean, and the difference for the listeners is you can see the difference in Paddy's energy and his face and his hair and his skin and like it's a whole different person. So I, I would say whenever you're feeling that way, talk to someone and hopefully the people around you can give you some suggestions. For me, it's a three-day weekend. For yeah. someone, it might be meditation. For the next person, it might be LSD. Whatever it takes is yeah. you've got to be aware of that. And so for me, it, it took a pretty, you know, one or two pretty big profound experiences to get myself out of that funk. But now I recognize what gives me energy. Mm. It's doing some pretty regular meditation. It's getting, I live by the beach, so getting up and seeing the sunrise on the sand at least once a week. If I do that and I meditate, I'm, I'm pretty cool. I'm good with that. But if I let that slip, I can feel it and everyone else feels it that I'm going back. And that's that self-awareness. Yeah. yeah. And it, I, it's the difference between below the line and above the line, which we talk about, or growth mindset, is when you're in that funk, everything will feel like a problem. And then I know from my perspective is like in trying to help Paddy through this, you would want to like guide him or give him a task to do, but that would almost make it inherently make it worse because mm. it's another thing on an already busy person. So it's a really tricky balancing act. Yeah. But coming back is growth mindset is now almost everything you do, you either see as an opportunity or present a solution to, or you've got a new uh, perspective on self-awareness where you'll say, Mick, DK, what if we try this instead? Yeah. Um, so not being afraid to ask if something's off as well, I yeah. think is huge. Yeah, definitely. And seeing, yeah, seeing what could be a problem, seeing it as an opportunity to do something else. Mm. Yeah. Huge. That's yeah. awesome. Um, if we wrapped up, what would you tell yourself a year ago that you know now? <laughs> um, simplify, simplify, simplify. I let's. So there's, there's there's kind of two things I think. Number one is the patient has no idea how experienced you are. The patient could think they don't know if you've had one week experience or ten years experience. They actually don't know. So if you are doubting yourself, they'll pick up on that. If you are confident in whatever you're doing or saying, then sweet, they're like they're on board already. I think having the confidence just to go in and like, whatever I'm going to do, it's going to help you. Have that confidence, and it, whether it does or it doesn't help them, cool, that's experience, and you'll build that. The other thing is keep it simple. If we take like say your basic run of the mill Achilles tendon, that's a bit grumpy, a bit inflamed, or whatever you want to call it. Yeah, we're told at uni that like an isometric will be good for that might have an analgesic effect so i was always like cool rub the calf do something to the achilles tape it give them an isometric and then try and manage their load and do all that sort of stuff now i'm not afraid if a runner comes in and they have an achilles tendon problem i'm not afraid to rub their calf and tell them to run less like and like that's that's session one yeah and that to me as a new grad that seems so dumb like such a waste of time but it's probably going to be the most effective thing for a patient just just tell them to stop running for a couple of days. Yeah. Calm their symptoms down and assess them with, give them something to reassess with. Like make them hop. Be like, ha you can't hop. Stop running. Come back in two days. Oh, no, you can hop. Great. Like, and that is valuable for them. You didn't do anything, but you changed it for them in their head. So I think mm. keeping it as simple as that and then you um, bump in the isometrics and then you manage their load and then you progress it up to a strong eccentric and then you gradually increase their running and like they think you're a god. All you did is tell them to run less for a little bit. Yeah. And like it can be as simple as that. But for you as a physio in your brain, that's way too basic. So and, you, much. and you're smarter than that. Yeah. But as a new grad, you, you'll fall into that trap. But just keep it simple. Don't be afraid to just do less. I think, I think do less and do one thing. Like you, you just mentioned there, one bit of hands-on 
one assessment, which is the hop, and one piece of advice, which is stop running. Yeah. Whereas you come out with so much knowledge, you're like, I know this, I know the isometrics, I know the concentrics, I know yeah. the three different exercises, and I know 12 different manual therapy techniques. Yeah. And that buzzes around in your head. Um, yeah. So I like, keep it simple. And, and I, it, it is hard, and it, it's hard to just say, do one manual therapy thing. And it, it's hard as a new guy to be like, well, well which one? And is it going to work? And how do I know if it's actually going to make a difference? Do one, mate. Just do any. Just do something <laughs> and reassess. And if it makes them slightly better, then great. That's something you have in your experience belt yeah. that like has made you a better physio now. If you rub their calf and it doesn't make them hop easier, cool. That's also another bit of experience. Try moving their ankle and then they probably will hop better. And that's what I struggled with. I can sit back now having just over a year of experience and say, cool, just do one manual therapy technique and they'll feel better. But for the first six months, I'm like, well, which one? Like. Yeah. How do I know if rubbing their calf is going to make a difference? Yeah. But that's all just experience you build on. And that's fine. You just work through that the first few months. I like it. Do it with confidence. Um, I I really liked what you said about the pre-framing. I think um, that will be really helpful for the new grads listening. It's just like, it's okay. You know, we'll, we'll reduce your pain a little bit or improve your movement a little bit, but it's going to take a while. Yeah. I think if we do that at the start, we significantly reduce our chances of getting a cancellation and not getting the patient oh, yeah. to the end. And I liked... Um, from this episode, really finding what gives you energy. And that could be a million different things, but I think that's really important in your first couple of years. Yeah. You need to be super self-aware of how you're feeling. But also when you're feeling that way is what's what's more likely to give you energy back. Yeah. And there might be some experimentation in that, right? There might be suggestions from other people something you haven't tried. Yeah. Right. So I I really like that. I well, think that's a huge lesson. Nine months ago I'd never meditated. But yeah. now it's something that I that I know worked wonders for me. Yeah. But nine months ago I would have said that that's for, for fairies and hippies. Yeah. But it's it's good. It's for physios. It's for physios. <laughs> Sweet. Thanks, mate. Thanks for sharing your experience in your first year and one month with us. Thanks for having me. No worries. We're going to... On the podcast and as an employee. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to do That's Running now, yeah? Yeah. Sweet. If so, you're on iMove You, get on That's Running. It's another podcast. It's better than this one. It is. It and sounds we... better. <laughs> <laughs> and we just talk about running stuff. Yeah, uh, it's good from a physio's point of view. So look that up. It's on iTunes. I bought a Blue Yeti mic, 170 bucks, and it sounds tinny. And this is a like a crappy road mic, and it sounds amazing. Yeah, and that's running sounds so much better than I move you. We've got good voices. Good voices. Thanks, mate. Well, let's get cracking on. Pleasure. That's running. Thanks, Mick.